1: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Yo!
0: What's going on? Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on 1320 and FM 1017 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer, Derek Johnson. He's on vacation once again today. So a little bit more Nick Chalk Sports Talk this afternoon here on KLWN. Coming up today, we got a couple more interviews uh, that Derek and I were able to get out at Media Day from earlier this week, talking with uh, some local media and national media as well to get some different perspectives on the Big 12 and uh, Kansas as well from uh, Media Day. We're also going to get to the Bill Self audio from Media Day today. had a chance to kind of break it down and talk about it a little bit yesterday, but I actually want to play that audio today as well uh, so we'll get into that the Chiefs are taking on the Chargers we'll talk that a little bit coming up in the 4 o'clock hour Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports will join the show at 4.30 to give his take on uh, some of the games coming up this weekend betting wise we have our game picks as well and I want to get into a little bit of a recruiting update for KU it's, it's a bye week for Kansas but they've still been busy on the recruiting trail And they got a commitment to actually last night that we'll talk about later on in the show as well. So, packed show today. And as a reminder, coming up tonight, high school football will be on the airwaves here on KLWN. We'll have uh, Lawrence High right here on KLWN taking on Shawnee Mission West at 7 o'clock. If you're looking for Free State, they'll be on 92.9 The Bull. We'll also have our video stream for Free State so you can watch the Free State game and listen to the uh, radio broadcast as well. Simultaneously at klwn.com. Both games kick off at 7 o'clock. Uh, Lawrence High on KLWN, Lawrence Free State on the bowl. You can also watch at uh, klwn.com. So, as I said, uh, KU football on bye. Fridays during the season is when Derek and I typically preview KU's opponent, talk about uh, the matchup and whatnot. But Jayhawks on a bye this week. And uh, it seems like to me it comes at a pretty good time for Kansas. Uh, given kind of where they are at, you know, you, you lose to Texas, you come back, you smash UCF, you go on the road against Oklahoma State in a game where maybe you thought you were the better team and ultimately lose. Uh, Based, there was some uh, some questionable officiating, but that probably wasn't the main reason why you lost the game. And now you have a bye week here. And I remember last year Lance Leipold said that he actually prefers the bye week to be a little bit later. You know, a lot of teams have that bye week. Earlier on, after a couple games, two or three games, Lance Leipold, I'm pretty sure, said last year that he he prefers it to be kind of in the more in the middle of the season. Which obviously, seven games in, you you can't really get much more in the middle than than uh, what what they have here. So, uh, Ku with the buy, and they'll be getting ready for Oklahoma. So, basically, the the discussion that I wanted to have was how can the buy help Ku, or what can the buy do for Ku at this stage of the season? now with five games in front of them, and I, I think it can do a lot. I think most notably, the probably the the biggest thing for the bye week for Kansas is their quarterback situation, right? Uh, Jason Bean has obviously started the past couple of games for KU with Jalen Daniels being out, and, you know, I, it, it was never specifically said, and nobody ever came out and said it, but it did, it did kind of feel like after the Texas game that maybe there was a sense of, well, okay, let's let's just see if Jalen Daniels can get back for Oklahoma, right? He'll have the bye week to, to get healthy and he can get back for Oklahoma. Well, well, now here we are, obviously. Now here we are with the bye week and with Jalen Daniels hopefully getting to a situation where he can be ready to play against Oklahoma. And I actually I asked Henry Greenside of the Lawrence the World this yesterday about does KU need Jalen Daniels back to to try to win against Oklahoma? Like, do they need, is Jalen Daniels really the, the factor that, that gives KU the real chance to win against Oklahoma? And he, and he, and he said no, he, he felt like, KU could win with it with Jason Bean, and I, I I see some truth to that as well. I think Jason Bean, listen, he played a good game against Oklahoma last year, and uh, you know it, it wasn't his fault that that K that KU's defense was really struggling and gave up fifty two points, and KU ultimately lost that game. But and then you go back to the season before that, the Caleb the infamous Caleb Williams game that KU had a chance to win that game too, obviously. So I think with Jason Bean, Kansas, can certainly win against Oklahoma, but uh, again, I think. The game against Oklahoma State kind of perfectly encapsulated Jason Bean, right? He he was outstanding, 400 yards, five touchdowns, played really, really a phenomenal game, but started to fade late and was really unable to maybe make some of those clutch plays that you need to win on the road in the Big 12 or that you need to win, period, in the Big 12, really. And those are the types of plays that we've seen Dylan Daniels make in the past. And so again at his ceiling Jason Bean can be as good as J as, as Jalen Daniels in, in terms of orchestrating the offense and making big plays and scoring a lot of points but that again that that extra play that extra difference making play that in the fourth quarter or third quarter late in a game that seems to be where Jalen where Jason Bean just isn't quite there compared compared to Jalen Daniels and and you know I I've, I've been one of the biggest Jason Bean defenders uh, I feel like out there you know I think Jason Bean is has, has been putting he's been putting in a tough spot and even the fact that he even came back, right? I mean, I think it was probably a less than one in four chance he was even going to return after the way last season ended at the Liberty Bowl, and you know he comes back and embraces his role as backup quarterback, and and Kansas fans should be thanking the lucky stars that he did return because otherwise you'd be looking at, you know, I guess maybe in that universe maybe you still have Ethan Vasco, but otherwise you'd be looking at rolling out a, a walk on freshman quarterback with with Cole Ballard. So Jason Bean only brings positives to Kansas, I think, from that standpoint. Uh, but, but yeah, obviously, in terms of, like, the maximum ceiling of this KU team, Jalen Daniels is probably the one you want out there versus Jason Bean. And you'll probably need to play to that level against, against Oklahoma. Uh, so, Oklahoma has UCF this weekend, so we'll see what happens with, with that game. I mean, I think I think Oklahoma is probably about to 17, 18-point favorites. I believe it's at Oklahoma, so... We'll see what happens with with that game and, and if maybe Oklahoma struggles or however that game plays out. But for Kansas, yeah, I think the biggest, the biggest storyline is going to be the health of Jalen Daniels. Uh, and is he going to be able to, to come back? And I, I've kind of reached a point where, first of all, it's way too early right now today to definitively say one way or the other that Jalen Daniels will be back. Uh, and I think it might be that case up until – middle of the week later next week before we really get a confirmation that Jalen Daniels is going to play uh, or if he, if he is going to play. And I, I that does kind of suck because we saw with Jason Bean where when Jason Bean has a full week of preparation, Andy Kulnik has a full week of preparing with Jason Bean, Jason Bean is can clearly execute the KU offense at a very high level at times. But when you get into this sort of wishy-washiness of well, you know, Jalen Daniels is going to play, and then he, all of a sudden, you know, late in the week, or for instance, in the Texas game, he it, something happens, you know, right before the game starts, and then you go to Jason Bean, that really throws everything off. So, and Andy Kolnicki has never specifically said this, but I I believe it to be true, which is that the part of Andy Kolnicki's offense in which he says that he wants to be the most stressful offense in the country to, to, to play against, a lot of that comes from the preparation that starts. On Monday and goes through the rest of the week and if you are unable to prepare on Monday with the guy you know you're going to play at quarterback on Saturday that inhibits that and therefore I think w- would significantly reduce your ability to 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 be a very stressful offense because you've had I, I think it's a process I think it's and I think it's a whole week-long process that 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 KU needs basically that any cool needs to to get in the lab to to drop game plans and and to become that offense that truly is one of the more difficult offenses in the country to, to go up against. Uh, So, and again, but again, if, if there's questions about Jalen Daniels and you're kind of going back and forth throughout the week, I think that that lowers that ceiling of how effective of a game plan you can draw up. So we'll see what happens with that. But certainly I think, again, like I said, I think from the outside perspective, this has kind of been the general consensus, which is, Okay, if Jalen's gonna be out for these next couple games, fine. Get him back after the bye, right? Get him, get him back for the Oklahoma game. Uh, but the the problem is, is that with a back injury, with the back injury that Jalen Daniels is dealing with, it's clear that this is not something where it's like you just wait X number of weeks or whatever and it's fine, you know. Uh, so I I don't know how really how far that logic extends out because, I mean, think about it. If you have like a you know a sprained ankle or you know some other regular injury, it's okay. You know, you rest up, you heal up for three or four weeks, and then you're ready to go after that time period. With this back injury with Jalen Daniels, that's clear that, that that's not the case, right? Uh, it doesn't The, the, the timetable doesn't seem to matter. It, it, it literally seems like it's more of a, a day-to-day type thing, which I think is what probably is making it so frustrating internally for Kansas and also externally because Kansas does, is not – Lance Leipold has not been a guy that has normally spoken a lot about injuries and kind of let let the public know what's going on. For you know, a litany of reasons, whatever that might be, but so that's what kind of makes it frustrating. That's what kind of makes it difficult to say for sure that Jalen Daniels is going to play against Oklahoma. So it, it's hard to say, right? But even just beyond that, health in general, I think is is something that Kansas is is kind of battling right now. Uh, you you look at some of the guys that have been banged up, and you I, you look specifically at the D line, right? Hayden Hatcher has been severely limited. Jamie Robinson has been banged up. Uh, Austin Booker played the game against Oklahoma State with it with a knee brace, and and even though he ended up tied for the team lead in tackles with nine, it was clear that he was not as explosive, specifically in the pass rush. So just beyond that health, and and again, you, you know, you never know which guys are playing through which types of injuries, and and this, that, and the other. So you know, a bye week at this stage of the season really gives you a chance to, and I think this is where kind of maybe the the logic behind what's you know, what's, what Lance Leipold says about having the bye week at this stage of the season plays in is that you have guys that are maybe banged up right now, but you can have a chance to get rested up in the middle of the season and then really just go all the all out, you know, for your final five games in this case, if, if you're KU, right? It, it, I think the mindset is a little bit different if your bye week is after, like, your third game or your fourth game versus where it is for Kansas. So I think that maybe helps things a little bit where they can just kind of say, all right, we got, you know, this last this last stretch of games, you know, a little over a month, and we'll just we'll just push for it then through the bye week. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the Oklahoma State game, Alan Bowman played really well, Kansas didn't get a lot of pressure, and you can point, I think you can point basically straight to the fact that you had some guys in a D-line that were playing through some injuries that maybe weren't fully 100%, that, uh, and also, obviously, Oklahoma State's game plan as well, which was to get the ball out of Bowman's hands quickly, certainly helped also, but yeah, so that that's kind of um, you know, how that transpired and basically the fact that those guys weren't fully healthy resulted in not being as effective, right? So you've got a chance now with the bye week to really go beyond that, uh, and and not only just Jalen Daniels, but the rest of your team, right? I mean, you know, the D lines are the guys that I think it jumped out jumped out the most, but you know, I'm sure there but I'm sure there's plenty of other guys that are playing that have been playing through something that that nobody really knows about or, or whatever so a chance to just get healthy right And I think that's another big factor of the bye week that that gives you that opportunity. Uh, and then it also you know it does give you a chance to just kind of give it extra prep for OU, right prepare a little bit more for OU. you're gonna get a chance to really watch them in real time uh, against UCF against an opponent that you played. And see what they do and what they don't do, and this, that, and the other. And Andy Kolnicki, I think, spoke a lot about that. About you know what, how much detail goes into scheming up for a team, what kind of tape you look at. You've got a chance now to to kind of kick your feet up and really pay attention to what Oklahoma is doing uh, against UCF, and and that gives you an opportunity a chance to to see a little bit more and prepare a little bit more for Kansas for for Oklahoma if you're Kansas. And you know, I'm sure from the defensive perspective. Uh, Brian Borland and those guys are certainly wanting to get back out there against OU because of the way they played last season. Uh, and really, you know, that game just did not really go their way from the from the jump. So, and, and obviously, on top of that, probably wanting to play again also after the performance against Oklahoma State, which was one of the worst, I would say, on the season for the defense as well. So, I'm sure there's a lot of motivation on the defense to prepare extra for Oklahoma and be ready and, and, have a chance to to kind of wash the bad taste of the Oklahoma State game out of their mouths and, and go from there. And, and you look at the rest of the schedule. So Kansas sits at five and two. They have five games left, three of them are at home, including Oklahoma. The other two are Texas Tech and Kansas State. You go on the road against Iowa State and Cincinnati. You only need one more win to get to that to to get to six to get to that bowl eligibility. I'm pretty confident Kansas will be able to get that one win. I don't know that it'll necessarily come against Oklahoma, but I feel pretty good they'll be able to get at least at least one. Even if Jalen Daniels is is in and out of the lineup, I think you can still win some of those games with Jason Bean. So I have a lot of confidence in that. And if you're Kansas, you know, internally and in the, in the players a lot, they've certainly spoken a lot about Big 12 title aspirations and, and competing for the Big 12 title and playing the Big 12 title. This Oklahoma game is kind of really the last chance to keep that dream alive. If you don't beat Oklahoma, I don't think there's really any path that you can get to the Big 12 title game unless you literally run the table after that and go 9 and 3. And even then, 9 and 3 but three conference losses against Texas and two of them against Texas and Oklahoma who are probably going to be above you or tied with you. That's probably not going to get you in. So if if internally if if the team is if the players are really serious about that, it's, it's kind of do or die in this game against Oklahoma. Uh, I think if you if you lose this game against Oklahoma, you can kind of put the big twelve title aspirations maybe to bet a little bit if you're kansas but and it was always gonna be tough. It was always gonna be an uphill battle, so that's certainly not something to be to hold your head low about but but yeah, so that's that's kind of what's on the line against oklahoma and and certainly you hope the bye week can get Kansas a chance to recuperate, get some extra prep and and be ready for that for that game against Oklahoma because. You, you know, you look at the schedule and you start to think, OK, well, if you don't beat Oklahoma and you drop to five and three and then, you know, you're at Iowa State and maybe you're five and four Texas Tech at home. OK, maybe. And then, I you know, you I think you definitely you definitely do not want to be five and five with with Kansas State rolling into town. I think that's that's pretty clear. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned this before, but I think going to Ames is probably a more difficult environment than going to Stillwater. And Kansas obviously was, didn't come over with a victory in, in Stillwater. So I'm not saying that I, I don't think Iowa State is a better is necessarily a significantly better team than Oklahoma State, but I think from an environment standpoint, they probably Ames is probably a little bit better. And then you have Texas Tech and, and again, then maybe what you know, what if you're 5 and 5 going on the road against Cincinnati? That's obviously worst-case scenario, but are 5 and 6 Going on the road against Cincinnati. That's obviously worst case scenario, but I I I think there's still opportunities for wins here. I think you've you've got some games in which if you're Kansas, it's you're going to be evenly matched. I mean, I think you're better than Iowa State, evenly matched, and maybe better than Texas Tech. Texas Tech's been on a a bad slide. Kansas State game is going to be as even as it's been uh, in terms of talent in a long time, and then Cincinnati. So, so you want to come out of this bye week feeling refreshed. You got homecoming against Oklahoma. On Fox, a big noon game. Uh, by the way, I don't. I, I actually, I, I asked this, a friend about this, or yeah, and I was talking to Derek about this as well. So the K Oklahoma game was announced to be on Fox at eleven a.m. Does that mean that they are going to get? I, I did a little research on this. Does that mean that they are going to get the big noon, the Fox, uh, big noon pregame show or whatever? The answer is no. They've actually they they've done it where they've been in different spots before, but I would think that that certainly. Means that you're going to be seriously considered, right? If you if you are the Fox game, why wouldn't Fox want to have their big noon kickoff leading into the big noon or 11 a.m. Fox game? I don't I don't know, I don't know. So we'll see. I think over the weekend is when uh, I would assume that they they'll go ahead and announce you know what what the, where they're going to go um, for their next big noon kickoff show, whatever. Uh, but yeah, that that was something that 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 caught my attention earlier in the week when it was announced that the KU Oklahoma game was going to be on Fox at 11 a.m. So I don't know. Obviously it's not college game day, but, and I don't know, I don't even know if big noon, how they normally, if they have, if they allow people to have like do crowds and stuff and whatnot, but I don't know. That was just something that, that I had a thought about uh, earlier in the week. So KU want to buy a chance maybe to get Jalen Daniels back potentially and rest up a little bit and get some extra prep for Oklahoma. And we'd like to remind you, the RCST is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewer. We're going to take a timeout here. When we come back, we're going to get to some uh, an interview with uh, De- with Derek and Glenn Kinley of uh, WWW in Topeka. Had a chance to catch up with him at Media Day for the Big 12 basketball earlier in the week to get his perspective on KU and the Big 12. We're also going to get to some self audio later on in this hour. Uh, we'll uh, cut it into two parts. So we'll, have, we'll play the first part of it coming up later on in this hour. The second part, we'll get to later in the five o'clock hour. Uh, in the 4 o'clock hour, we're going to talk some Chiefs Chargers. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports is going to join the show. I want to get a little bit more into uh, some of the recruiting updates that KU's had. They, The number one recruit in Kansas made his commitment yesterday, and also KU did land a commitment yesterday afternoon as well. So I want to talk more about that. And then game picks coming up as well uh, later on in the show. We'll take a timeout right now. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson is out today. Coming up later on tonight, we'll have high school football on the airwaves. Here on KLWN, Lawrence I will be taking on Shawnee Mission West. And on our sister station, 92.9 The Bull is where you can hear Free State taking on Latham North in a matchup of 6-1 and one teams. You can also watch the Free State game on our video stream at KLWN.com. All right, so the Kansas City Chiefs are back in action on Sunday. They'll be taking on the Los Angeles Chargers coming up this Sunday afternoon at Arrowhead Stadium, and this is a significant game for both teams in a lot of different ways. For the Chiefs, it's because they have a couple of players that could be coming back to them, either via trade or via suspension. Charles O'Maney, his six-game suspension is up. He'll be back and eligible to play for the Chiefs against the Chargers on Sunday. So it'll just be a question of how much does Omenihue play. And he, he's a guy that I think in the pre, in the preseason, a lot of people thought that he was maybe the biggest addition for the Chiefs in terms of free agency. I argued at the time, and I will continue to argue now, that I think maybe Drew Tranquil might end up being uh, a more significant uh, addition because of everything he brings. But Omenihue certainly is a guy that is an impactful pass rusher and somebody that could bring some extra juice to the D-line for the Chiefs. You know, when you pair him with Chris Jones, George Karloftis, uh, and so on and so forth. So, I'd be curious to see uh, how much of any who plays what his role is and how the Chiefs try to utilize him coming off that suspension. And then, of course, the other big player to uh, keep an eye on will be Nicole Hardman, who the Chiefs acquired via trade from the Jets uh, earlier this week after they allowed him to walk out the door. Jets signed him in the offseason. He had one catch for just six yards for the Jets uh, so far this season he is now back with the Chiefs. And so no more Montrell Washington, the punt returner for the Chiefs. He's gone. So you pre- you presume that Michael Hardman will step in and be the punt returner for, for Kansas City. And then the question just becomes at that point, how much more will he play in this game against the Chargers? Uh, because what, I think what kind of makes that question even more interesting is the fact that you're looking at Justin Watson, who's probably going to be limited at best for the Chiefs. And I mentioned this on yesterday's show, but – Kind of maybe an indictment of the Chiefs' wide receiver room that, uh, you know, you're concerned about the fact that Justin Watson uh, might not be playing and how that might impact the Chiefs' wide receiver situation. So that's that's a little bit concerning, uh, but it also gives a, an, an, an even bigger opportunity for someone like Sky Moore or Rashi Rice to go out and and to step up even more and make some plays and build that continuity with Patrick Mahomes and build that confidence. And of course, you still have Travis Kelsey and Marquez valdez scantling has been a guy that. Has been out there a lot, but hasn't really been targeted that much. So maybe his targets increase a little bit with uh, with no Justin Watson or a limited Justin Watson. But yeah, I mean that, that those, those two players, Michael Hardman and Charles Meny, are the two players uh, to keep an eye on maybe. And I, I don't think it's officially the Chiefs haven't officially announced signing Frank Clark. It's all signs would indicate that Frank Clark's going to join them at some point. Uh, so that that's also something to keep an eye on as well. But but yeah, Michael Hardman, is he going to play that much? I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. I mean, he. I don't even think he was. He had been active for the Jets, really. Like uh, I think he was been a healthy scratch for the Jets in some of their games. So I don't know what his what his playing status is. And then you look at Charles and Menehue and and again coming off the suspension, you figure he's still been working out and staying in shape. But how much realistically is he going to be utilized uh, in this game against the Chargers? Then you flip over and look at look at this from the Chargers' perspective. So the Chiefs are five and one, obviously. The Chargers are two and three coming off of a loss against the Dallas Cowboys. The Chargers are playing for their season, I think, in this game against Kansas City. I think I think they're playing for their season. They're two and three. The AFC, with how things are shaping up, they need to win this game desperately, I think. I mean, this is this to me, this is for all the Marbles. All them all the marbles. For, for the Chargers in this in this game against the Chiefs, and I, I mean, you could maybe say that's a bit hyperbolic, but seriously, I mean, they they need this bad. They need a bad. They need something to, to to get them feeling good. Uh, Justin Herbert has been bad to not good as of late. Uh, they they need something positive to happen here. And you know, historically, this matchup against the Chiefs has generally been very close. But you look at the upcoming schedule for the Chargers. They do get the Bears at home next week, which you would presume that they can beat the Bears. But then you go at the Jets, which a couple weeks ago you might have said easy W. but the Jets, even with Zach Wilson, have proven to be a frisky and tough team. I mean, they just knocked off one of the remaining undefeated teams in the league last week in Philadelphia. Then you play Detroit at Green Bay, Baltimore. Anyway, so... You got this upcoming stretch of five games, really, for the Chargers, kicked off by this game against the Chiefs. Where, uy, I mean, you know, you could be looking if you're the Jazz, if you're the Chargers, you could be looking at being possibly like three and six, you know, or something like that. I mean, it's it's not looking good for Los Angeles. And again, with the way the AFC is shaping up, the AFC North is looking like they're going to get at least two, maybe three teams into the playoffs. And then you figure both the Dolphins and the Bills are going to be in the playoffs, and that doesn't leave very many options for wildcard possibilities if, if you're the Chargers, and the Chargers with you know with Justin Herbert, they 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 they're kind of stuck with him, and and you know I don't know what they do with Brandon Staley if if things continue to go bad for them, but this to me is a do or die game for them. So I would expect the Chargers to pull out all the stops to do everything they can to. To you know anything they can to win this game. I mean, I I would I would I would think Brandon Sailey is going to go it on every fourth down, whatever it takes to beat the Chiefs. I think they're going to try to do it uh, against against Kansas City this week. Uh, and these are always these are always close games. You know, with the, with the line being the way it is, five and a half six. I think uh, depending on where you look at it, that's that's pretty high for a game like this. You know, and I, I don't know for the cheat from the Chiefs' perspective you feel like you should be able to win this game at home. You feel like you should be able to beat the Chargers at home and, and keep this winning momentum going, but there's certainly, you know, for a 5-1 team that I think a lot of people would say is maybe the best team in the NFL right now, there are still some questions about about the Chiefs, right, specifically as revolving around that wide receiver room. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco has certainly established himself as the lead running back, but, you know, Chiefs fans are constantly clamoring for Clyde Edwards-Elair to leave or be traded or whatever, I, I don't care about the Clyde Edwards of our stuff. I don't I really don't care. I really don't. He's gonna be on the team. He's gonna get his touches. And I'm just I'm just gonna mind my own business about that. That's kind of that's kind of my approach now. Whatever. Clyde, whatever. I don't care. Isaiah Pacheco is great, obviously. Jerk McKinnon's great. Uh and then, you know, you look at the offensive line for the Chiefs, they've been pretty they've been really, really good. Uh besides some of the penalties, you wonder if that's gonna continue with Jawan Taylor and, and uh, Donovan Smith. Travis Kelsey, uh, I don't think he was officially on the injury report this week, but, you know, that ankle situation, I, I have to believe it's probably not quite 100%. And maybe you might have to lean on it even more now with Justin Watson possibly being uh, out. But, yeah, so there's still some questions. And the Chiefs offense has been, you know, a little bit more pedestrian than I think what most Chiefs fans are expecting them to to be. And, you know, that that's kind of the difficult thing about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense where they are right now is, They are only being graded against their previous selves, and the previous Chiefs offenses, you know, 2018, 2021, 2022, last year, those are like historically top five offenses in the entire history of the NFL, and that is what this, that is what the Chiefs' offense is now. That's the standard they're now being held to every year, and you know, fair or not, I mean, the Chiefs are five and one. Fair or not, the Chiefs are five and one, Uh, and I think the offense is going to be fine Uh, I'm not really that concerned to be honest Uh, you know with the Michael Hardman trade uh, does that make me feel significantly better no I guess they feel a little bit better but you know there's a possibility the Chiefs could go out and make another trade and I also think it's possible the Chiefs don't make any trade uh, at this point I I don't know I don't know because the Chiefs have demonstrated Brett Veach has demonstrated that this is the strategy that they want to go with a bunch of kind of role player you know B- and C-level guys paired with Mahomes to raise their level of play because he's Mahomes, and that's how they're going to operate. When you look at the defense, the defense has been phenomenal, obviously. I mean, next-level stuff. You have Chris Jones, uh, who's been great. And the linebacking core, even though it's been banged up, has still been really, really good, in large part thanks to Drew Tranquil, but Leo Chennault has been great. Nick Bolton back, obviously. And you go to the secondary, Trent McDuffie, phenomenal. Le'Jarius Snead has been outstanding, uh, and the safeties for the Chiefs have been really, really quality as well. Justin Reed, I think, maybe played one of his best games of his career uh, last week. So the the defense has been great, and obviously, I think, like I said, a lot of the frustration just kind of stems from the fact that this chief, the Chiefs' offense, Patrick Mahomes, they are constantly going to be compared to what they were able to achieve previously in the past, and I, I again, I don't know how fair that is because. In the, in the past, they have been a, a you know, multiple off, multiple of those previous years that I listed in, in the past five years have been top five offenses ever in the entire history of the NFL. I mean, that's insane. And to hold a team to that standard year in and year out is also a bit ludicrous, I think. Uh, And so, and, and listen, I'm not trying to def- say that the offense has been good. I mean, they, they definitely, I think, can improve and probably will improve. And I think you know Andy Reid has shown that he, at times, will kind of sandbag a little bit and maybe not show everything because he knows that you know you're going to see a team later on in the season or in the playoffs. Uh, you know there or, there was the there was the thing with Chris Jones last year where the Chiefs didn't really move him around in their first matchup against the Bengals and then played a lot differently in the in the playoffs. And so uh, that's why I'm not really that concerned. I, I think the Chiefs will be fine. And honestly, like the Chiefs have certainly much bigger goals in mind with the Super Bowl and whatnot that at the end of the day, does it matter if you're winning a close game in week five or week six, you know, or whatever, or does it matter that you're not putting up 70 points on the league's worst defense like the Dolphins are? No, because you know what's going to happen? In the playoffs, the Dolphins are going to lose and the Chiefs aren't. Okay? That's period. That's all that matters. So who cares well, you know how that plays out. as long As long as you are able to get to that level, now, you know, if we get to like week twelve, week thirteen, and the offense is still kind of looking like this, and you're past the trade deadline and you can't make any moves, I will I will start to be a little bit more concerned. But I'm just I'm just not worried. I'm just I'm just not worried about the offense. You know, barring Mahomes getting injured or Travis Kelsey getting injured again, I'm just not concerned. I, I think I think the offense is is generally going to be fine. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco was shown to be a reliable uh, back that the Chiefs can can go to as well. Uh, so to, to try to establish a little bit more balance, right? So you're not just relying on Mahomes. Because I think I, I do think there is something to be said about the idea of, you know, you do go back to 2018, 2019, and you would say, and even I said this. I was like, just let Mahomes throw it 60 times a game. Just let him throw it till his arm falls off. Well, now, you know, a couple years later, I think even Andy Reid is realizing. Yeah, yeah, you just you can't really do that. You can't. You, you got to be able to. You got to be able to be balanced a little bit more. And Pacheco definitely gives them that, so uh, that's a real positive. But yeah, I mean, the wide receiver room, I, I think is going to be fine. I, I I hate to say, I hate to use the phrase that they're going to figure it out because I actually don't know if they're going to figure it out or not as as a room collectively. I think you might have a couple guys that might figure it out individually, but. Is the wide receiver room just gonna all are all of them gonna figure it out and all be on the same page with Mahomes every game? I, I kind of don't think so, to be honest. But Mahomes has shown that that doesn't even he doesn't need even doesn't even need that to be the case, right? I mean, if he can just get locked in with, Travis Kelsey, Rashi Rice, Justin Watson, MVS, Nicole Hardman, that's probably enough. You know, that's probably enough. So, I'm definitely curious to see. How the Chiefs use Michael Hardman compared to how they used him previously? If they let him do more, or what his role is going to be? But yeah, I understand that the, temp- the temperature of Chiefs Kingdom is a little bit warmer than probably it needs to be, because at the end of the day, the Chiefs are five and one. You're at home against the Chargers. Should feel pretty good about this game against LA, uh, who have been not particularly great, especially Justin Herbert specifically has been not particularly great lately. Which, by the way, that's kind of bad for my fantasy team. I have him on my fantasy team, but the thing is, is he's been not very great, but he still puts up good numbers for my fantasy team. So honestly, I don't, I don't really care either way. So, and yes, I understand he's an AFC West rival. My policy with fantasy football is that I generally do not have Broncos or Raiders on my team. The thing is, the Chargers—they're they just there. They just exist. They just they just they're out in the ether, and I I don't know. I don't feel. I have never, in my entire life, ever felt nearly as strongly about the Chargers as I have felt about the Raiders or the Broncos, ever in my entire life, and I don't think I ever will. T- could I? Could I tell you why? I don't know. Really, it's just not there. That same passion is just—it's for me as a fan of the Chiefs, the passion, the the you know the the strong negative feelings. It's just not there for the Chargers. It never has been, and it probably never will be. Even though it is there for the Raiders and the Broncos for sure, very strongly, it's just not there. I mean, the Chargers are the Chargers. I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. It really is hard to explain. That's why I'm having a hard time explaining it right now. It's just they are who they are. The Chargers are who they are, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. It is kind of fun watching the Chargers, just kind of constantly charger, obviously, and then you know now they get Justin Herbert, and it feels like maybe they might have a chance to to step up, but mm, I don't know. Because you look at Justin Herbert. I mean, between Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, even like a Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, if you want to put him in there. I mean, where does Justin Herbert rank among those among those guys? You probably could have made an argument previously that he was near, you know, near the top or in the top, you know, three or four. Now, eh, not so much. He's gotta figure it out. He's gotta figure it out. And he's not getting I don't think a, a ton of help from uh, from the rest of the team. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I I I feel I feel good about the Chiefs. I'll say that. I feel confident about the Chiefs. Um, I think they have a pretty good chance in this game against the Chargers. No, I'm not really worried about the wide receiver room. And even if the Chiefs lose this game, I probably won't be coming in on Monday being that worried either. To be quite honest, uh, it's just you know I, I don't know. I guess since it's at home, maybe i might be more worried, but. I don't know. I, I don't... The Chiefs have they have bigger goals in mind, and as long as one loss doesn't turn into two or three or more, you can afford to take a loss here or there, I think, if you're the Chiefs, and really have it not be that big of a deal. I mean, I understand the race for the big, for the uh, number one seed in the playoffs, but I don't know. We'll see what happens in this game. Don't forget, high school football coming up tonight here on KLWN with Lawrence High taking on Shawnee Mission West. And on our sister station, 92.9, the Bull, we'll will have... Uh, Lawrence Free State, and you can also watch Lawrence Free State take on Aletha North on our video stream at klwn.com. All right, Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports is going to join the show next to give us some picks, and I will get into Derek and I's game picks. He sent in his picks remotely, so we'll get into our game picks. I also want to talk a little bit about K-Football recruiting during the bye week, and they got a big commitment last night that we'll get to as well coming up later on this hour. Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports joins us next. You're listening to Rock Talk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Just half past four here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson is out today. But as always, on Fridays around this time, we are joined by Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. Talk about some of the game picks coming up for this weekend. They still have their Locktober event happening right now. We're at Paramount Sports. And, uh, Lee, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm actually leaving tomorrow morning for Chicago. Uh, my daughter, Mary starter is going to be singing the national anthem for the Chicago Bears game on Sunday against the Raiders. So. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exciting. Yeah.
1: Exciting about that. She think, she did sing the national anthem for the Orange Bowl football game last year, but uh she's done a lot of ton of NBA and Major League Baseball, never done an NBA uh an, an actual NFL game, so huh. excited to sing uh one probably the probably the most famous NFL stadium that's still around.
0: Yeah, yeah. And hey, that's a good excuse for you to go around and see a bunch of uh, games. Of course, out.
1: of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Right. Who do you think started her in this <laughs> Odyssey since I didn't have any sons? So
0: Yeah, yeah, genius. All right, well, speaking yeah. of games, we'll get into some games. Uh, start off here in college football, Ohio State against Penn State, one of Penn State's biggest games of the season. They're going to play Michigan later in the year, but kind of a, an interesting game here. Ohio State's got four and hook. What do you think about uh, this game against between uh, Ohio State and Penn State?
1: So normally I'm taking Ohio State, and they've just dominated the series. They've won six in a row. They have won nine of ten But some things have changed. I'm watching film, and I make notes all the time. I think it's important whenever you do anything, you want to, you know, when you're in school, remember, you have definitions, you write it down. But in almost every single game, I'm making notes, and, and this offensive line for Ohio State is not holding their blocks and making blocks at the second level. You usually see their line, hitting linebackers, you know, on pulling down the field, safeties, cornerbacks. I'm not seeing that level of blocking this year. And Penn State's defense, number one or two in almost every major statistical category, these two teams have played one tough opponent. Ohio State played Notre Dame on the road. Court had that great drive at the end, but other than that, I mean, only threw for fifty six percent completion in that game, just six point five yards per attempt. Penn State just absolutely annihilated Iowa, thirty one to nothing. I think unless Kamalcourt is really on here, I think the the advantage here up front is with Penn State. Penn State finally gets a revenge. Wrong team favored. Penn State, thirty one twenty four.
0: All right, we'll head to the ACC for this next matchup. Florida State against Duke. Kind of a frisky Duke team, but Florida State getting 13-and-a-half. What do you like about this game?
1: So, when you lay points, you got to have an offense, and you got to be able to play against defense. It's going to allow you to score. Duke's defense, number four in the country. You would think, you know, Normally, a team that's ranked in the top five, they're top 25 in offense and defense. Not the case for with S.F.S.U. They're ranked 24th in offense. That's fine. But shockingly, number 56 in defense. Duke's ranked fourth in scoring defense. So they give up just 10.4 points per game. Now, we're not sure of the Riley Leonard status, but I have a feeling he is going to play and give it a shot here. I think also Duke's going to slow down the game. And... They are going to be able to make it like seven, eight, nine possessions each team. 14 points, that's got to score more than two touchdowns than your opponent. It means you got to probably score six times and keep your opponent to scoring just twice. That's going to be tough. I like Florida State to win 27-20 but not cover. All
0: right, we'll head to the Big 12 for a couple of matchups. Start here with Kansas State at home against TCU, and the Wildcats are getting six and a half.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Kansas State here. They, uh, their head coach, totally shocked, and and you know they're not going to be. Most coaches aren't, aren't honest, but he goes, "This is Will. Uh, this is Will's team." And I and you know I I kind of believed him. I, I did think that there was eventually going to be, you know, he's going to try some things out and 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 give the young kid um, a shot, Avery Johnson, but Will Howard pulled him at the halftime, and, and you know, I just don't think that uh, what happened in that game, I don't think that this Texas Tech team was ready for it. Now, I think Texas Tech's a good team, but they were shocked, were not prepared for it, and, you know, give Kleiman credit, good head coach, but now I do think that they're going to be up against it. Why do I say that with TCU? I think TCU is going to prepare for this game. I think they have the offense. Uh, they have the weapons that can do it. I think it's going to be back and forth, but I don't want to lay six and a half points when the secret's out here. I think TCU pulls off the small upset here, 31 28.
0: Yeah, it's always kind of tough, right, when you're playing two quarterbacks because you wonder how much that might negatively impact your own offense, right? Right. All right. How about this one in the Big 12 also? Texas is taking on Houston. The Longhorns are getting 23 points against the Cougars.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, they get to face uh, Texas, the quarterback that did a lot of damage against them last year when he was at Tech. But this Houston team is not a good team. I mean, their the linebackers and coverage out of the backfield, just not good at all. I think they have a lot of weaknesses. West Virginia probably should have won that game except for the Hail Mary. So, give Houston credit. They battle. This is... Texas got to be mad. I mean, what what happened in that o, OU game? They've got to be able to take a lead, and they've got to learn how to put their foot down on some of these opponents. Probably be seventy thirty Texas fans over Houston here. Sometimes you got to lay it if you want to play it, Nick. romper room special: Texas fifty two, Houston twenty one.
0: Oh, uh, there we go. There we yeah, go. Yeah. All right, now we go to the NFL for a big matchup here locally around the Kansas City area. The Chiefs taking on the Los Angeles Chargers at Arrowhead Stadium. Kansas City getting five and a hook. I don't know, this has been a close game in the past. What do you think about this one?
1: Yeah, it has been. I mean, both games last year, three-point games. But I'm watching this this Chargers team. We've never been in love with their coaching staff. But their offensive line, I think this might be the worst offensive line in ten years, and they haven't even had injuries. I mean, they're – it's one thing when you're running around offensive tackles, but they're just bull-rushing these guys and knocking them back. Stupid penalties. Two penalties, I mean, for uh, illegal man downfield on pass plays. Um, just not smart here. Uh, they're playing on the short week. So... When you play Monday night and you got to travel, it's like two days less than your opponent. That's a huge disadvantage. Defense can't get stops when they need to. That's that keeps going on over and over again. And Justin Herbert, he's got to step up. I mean, this is he's been in the league. This is fourth year. It's time um they you know they throw to Allen a lot underneath I mean he catches more balls than anyone but just can't make the big play you gotta get quick plays that you know you can score and then when they get stuck in third and one or fourth and one can't get anything going here so can't get a first down I, I like Kansas City I think they win in cover 28-20.
0: Chiefs uh, fans will like that one. Lee what's your uh, what's your free play of the week this week?
1: Free play is going to be West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Uh, Most people are going to look at this game and try to figure out if West Virginia can bounce back or can Oklahoma State keep it going, get three wins in a row. should be a competitive game, but I think there's a clear right side to this game. Anyone wants to get it for free, call right now. First five callers get it on me, 800 400 9741. First five callers, I'm going to give them West Virginia and Oklahoma State for free. 800-400-9741. How about this? Uh, I, I know there's a lot of people like to do different things. They have different interests. So instead of just having Locktober, which is two weeks of games, works out to like 10 bucks a day for $157 through Halloween night, October 31st. You want to just get the college football slate on Saturday? Seven games, $77, or NFL, five for 55 on Sunday. We only had one losing Sunday all year. Just one place, ParamountSports.com.
0: Yep, he is Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. Lee, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks so much. Good luck this weekend, and also uh, enjoy Soldier Field.
1: See you, Nick. Have a great weekend. Be safe.
0: Thanks. That was Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to make our own game picks coming up later on in the show, but I did want to get to an update on K football recruiting during the bye week. They landed a big commitment uh, last night. We'll talk about that next year on RCST. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson is out today on this Friday. And thanks so much to Lee Sterling who just came on the show to give us some game picks. We're going to get into our own game picks coming up uh, at the top of the 5 o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. And as a reminder, coming up tonight, high school football on the airwaves here on KLWN with Lawrence High taking on Shawnee Mission West. 7 o'clock kick, and if you want to hear Free State, they'll be over on our sister station, 92.9 The Bowl. You'll also be able to watch the Free State game on our video stream with the audio simulcast at klwn.com. I didn't want to get an update on the KU football recruiting situation. Uh, Kansas on a bye, obviously, but that's given an opportunity for the coaches to go out and, and maybe touch base with some commits. And, and also, as it happened, Kansas landed another commit as well yesterday afternoon. I want to start here, though. Michael Boganowski, the number one recruit in the state of Kansas out of Junction City, a linebacker athlete type, uh, had been uh, w- waiting for him to announce, and he ultimately did yesterday afternoon announce that he picked Oklahoma. It seemed like it was kind of down to Oklahoma and Kansas State with Kansas sort of there as well, but Boganowski picks Oklahoma. The number one recruit in the state of Kansas will be leaving at Kansas, uh, and he's not a guy that I think Kansas was ever really seriously – Therefore, but uh, he did take some visits to KU. I believe he was here for the BYU game earlier this earlier uh, in this this fall, but uh, ultimately decided to choose Oklahoma over Kansas uh, and, and Kansas State. So Kansas State maybe feels like they let one slip away there, but uh, Brett Venables taking another guy from Kansas kind of has a track record of actually getting some Kansas commits even back to his days at Clemson. Also, so that's a bit interesting. Uh, the commit that Kansas did land yesterday afternoon, yesterday evening uh, in the 2024 class is offensive lineman David Abijan, or Abijan, I believe, from uh, West Hills, California. And his recruitment was was pretty interesting, actually. He originally had committed to Oregon State back in the summer, uh, had cho- chosen Oregon State over Kansas, and I believe Washington State was his top three. So he commits to Oregon State. And then, kind of uh, later in the summer and early this fall, before the season started, you had the conference realignment situation where the Pac-12 literally imploded and basically no longer exists. And so, I think that and probably some other reasons made made him decide to reopen his commitment. And Kansas got back on him. Kansas. It sounds like Kansas never really let never really broke contact with him entirely, even after he committed to Oregon State. The coach was kind of still touch base with him. And then when he decided to decommit from from Oregon State, Kansas was there uh, on him again and he announced last night that he was going to pick KU. He is a three-star offensive lineman playing mainly tackle uh, with an 87 rating on 247 Sports. The number 871 recruit in the country, and Derek always likes to say that for Kansas, if you're, if you're getting top 1,000 guys, that uh, you feel pretty good about that in the country. And Abijan certainly is another one of those guys, number 871 recruit in the country. Listed at 6'5", 270 pounds, so uh, a big guy already. And uh, he announced his commitment last night to Kansas. So, uh, a really good job there for KU of staying in contact with a guy and then kind of following through and went on the decommitment and and staying with him and, and getting a commitment. So, that gives KU now four offensive line commitments in the class of 2024, and it gives them 16 total verbal commits right now in the class of 2024 as well. So, and obviously this for Kansas, this is a big class, and you know they've had some guys that have gotten increase in ratings and have seen some big offers. So. Now for KU, I think it fo- it's, it comes more down to retainment, right? you got to retain uh, some of the guys you get in this class. And Abijan, obviously, having decommitted from Morgan State, feels like he's probably in the fold for good, I would think, at this point. So, uh, yeah, but certainly uh, a big commitment for KU. And you would think that now with four offensive line commits, they're probably good on offensive line, I would say, at this point uh, in terms of just the number of commits they have already with four. So probably good on their total offensive line numbers there. Uh, they've already gotten a couple other guys, and obviously now Abijan as well joins from from West Hills, California. So a solid get for Kansas, and really a testament of you know maybe you don't always burn your bridges with with guys like this because you might have a second crack at it. That's exactly what happened with with KU. He de- he decommitted from Oregon State a couple weeks ago, I believe, maybe close to a month ago, uh, and then Kansas got back on him and ultimately did get the commitment. So another big commit there in the class of 2024 for KU. And they're probably getting pretty close to being done, I would say, at this point with 16 total commits uh, in the high school class. And, and again, I think in the era of the transfer portal, you want to set aside a certain number of scholarships for guys you want to get in the transfer portal. So we'll see. I think there's a couple other guys KU might still be uh, interested in, but uh, might be getting close to being done and now focusing more on just retaining uh, a lot of the, the commits they do have. And the bye week, you know, you might think that the bye week is a time for coaches to spend more time with their family, take a week off. Well, you'd be dead wrong with uh, with KU and what they've done in this bye week. There's been a lot of traveling from the coaches and a lot of going out and meeting recruits and talking to recruits. Most notably, Lance Leipold went out to Arizona and uh, went and visited the Desert Edge commits, the trio of commits they have out there from Desert Edge High School in Arizona, including Deshaun Warner, who received a massive, massive ratings bump. Uh, earlier, just a few weeks ago, and as a result of that, it has been getting a lot, a lot more attention, including an offer from Ohio State. So, I think you know, if you're Kansas and you've got a guy committed to you, and here comes Ohio State, I think that certainly grabs your attention. Uh, I, I don't know that there's any reason, real reason to be concerned at, at this point in terms of you know could Deshaun Warner flip somewhere else, but because uh, he would be one of the highest-rated recruits in Kansas history at this point, really talented defensive end player, and a guy that certainly Kansas wants to see in a Jayhawk uniform uh in the next coming years and he could be a real impact player for them but yeah again anytime you see a, a school like Ohio State getting involved maybe that uh, that perks your ease up and makes you a little bit nervous but Lance Leipold out and went and, and visited with them and also uh, another interesting trip Lance Leipold made he went out to Goodland Kansas you may be thinking to yourself what is out in Goodland Kansas Goodland, Kansas is currently home to one of the top 2025 recruits in the state of Kansas, tight end Lincoln Cure. He is a six foot six tight end out there in Goodland uh, that Kansas wanted to go take a look at for the class of 2025. So the Jayhawks already thinking ahead as well. Which, you know, I think in recruiting, obviously, you have to. You always have to be thinking about the future, even beyond this year's recruiting class. So KU went out and. Uh, checked out Lincoln cure as well. So, but yeah, the, the big story here is Kansas lands another offensive line commitment from David Abijan from uh, West Hills, California, after he originally committed to Oregon state decommitted from Oregon state uh, earlier this month and chose Kansas after he was, Kansas was second for him previously. So the Jayhawks stuck on him and they get a commitment out of it now up to 16 on the season for KU. And, uh, Certainly, uh, certainly uh, another positive sign for KU that they're continuing to build. And, uh, you know, now I think it becomes more about, like I said, the retainment. And I think part of the retainment now at this point is just being successful on the football field this season. Right. Uh, you want to continue to build on the field in 2023 so that you're committed to the, for the class of 2024 can kind of see what's what's building and what more they can come and add to. So maybe that's kind of the focus now for Kansas is just focusing on taking care of business on the field. Going out and uh, continuing to show recruits that KU is on the upper trajectory. That last year was not flash in the pan. Last year was not a one-time bowl game type thing. That uh, this Kansas program is on the rise and here to continue to be on the rise. Which uh, I, I think that's kind of been the big overarching theme. I would say for Kansas with uh, with Lance Leipold is that you know last year was great and all, but they have bigger and better goals, and they're trying to go out and prove it again this season. Uh, as well so pretty big commitment there for KU. Uh, another three-star recruit top 1,000 recruit and David Abishan and now Kansas can go back to focusing on what's in front of them this season sitting with a five and two record and still have a chance to uh, get to another bowl and maybe even improve upon what the record they had last year and possibly win a bowl game and that that's kind of been my thing is at this point I don't really care if you're six and six or seven and five or eight and four what I do care about though is winning a bowl game you know, you're going to get to the point where just making, just simply making a bowl game uh, might not be good enough. You need to go win a bowl game, too. You know, last year with just simply being in the Liberty Bowl, I think a lot of KU fans were just o- over the moon about just simply being there. But I'm sure that uh, you'd like to go out and, and maybe win one now uh, this year. And maybe that would even help even more with, with some of the upcoming recruits, both in the Class of 24 and 25, of you know showing that you uh, built on that and went out and, and got a win. As well, uh, in a bowl game. So that's a little bit of a recruiting update on Kansas uh, during the bye week. They did; a, they were still active and still did land a commitment as well. Coming up in the top of the five o'clock hour, we'll get to our game picks for the week. Also, got another interview from Big Twelve Media Day with Shreyus Latta Me and Derek had a chance to catch up with Shreyas, uh, at Media Day down in the doldrums in the tunnels <laughs> of T-Mobile Center. It, it's it, that's. One of the more fascinating things about that is, you know, underneath T-Mobile Center, there's just a, a vast network of – I actually I actually got lost just trying to get out of that place uh, at the end of the day yesterday after – or at the end of the day on, on Wednesday, I should say. Uh, so, But we did have a chance to find Trey Slotta and talk to him a little bit from the Kansas City store on KansasCity.com about his perspective on the Big 12 in Kansas. Don't forget also coming up later on uh, towards the end of the 5 o'clock hour, we'll get to the rest of that Bill Self audio Played the first part of that audio earlier in the show. We'll get to the rest of it coming up later on as well. And also just a reminder, there is no there is no KU football this Saturday. But Kansas will be back on the field next Saturday uh, at home. And because of that, Derek and I, we're going to be out at Big Mill uh, for our pregame show ahead of the k football game from 8:30 to 9:30 in the morning next Saturday, have the KU game, and we're gonna have tons of prizes to give away, including from Grandstand. Uh, for Jayhawk fans, Derek and I are gonna be at Big Mill for every uh, home football game, handing out all sorts of giveaways, including items from Grandstand. You may not have heard from, you may not have heard of them, but since 1988, they have been making some of the coolest branded items for your favorite craft beverage brands. We're talking glasses, shirts, hats, giveaways, you name it, they can do it. And Grandstand is always on the lookout for new team members as well. They love working with uh, anybody, and uh, their place is amazing. And it is right here in Lawrence, so forget about those long commutes. Their process is a cool blend of personal skill mixed with the top-of-the-line technology, so it's not a surprise that everything they make is top-of-the-line quality. On top of that, they have an air-conditioned production floor and an on-site deal with personal trainers, company events, and great salary and, bene- great salary and benefits packages. Plus, you get to help grow craft beer and spirits brands. So check them out at egrandstand.com slash careers to learn more. That's the letter E, grandstand.com slash careers to learn more. Like I said, Derek and I will be out at Big Mill next Saturday from 830 to 930 in the morning ahead of the K football game with our pregame show next Saturday. So no game this Saturday, so nothing on our airwaves for K football on Saturday. But we do have more high school football tonight. Lawrence High taking on Chinese Mission West here on KLWN. Free State will be on 92.9, the Bull, our sister station. You can also watch the Free State game against Olathe North on our live video stream on klwn.com. Two hours down, one to go. Like I said, we got another interview and more audio coming up. We'll also get to our game picks coming up as well here on Rock Talk Sports Talk. You're listening to RCST on FM 1017 and 1320, KLWN.
1: It's that time of the week on Rock Chalk
0: Sports Talk for game picks of the biggest games ahead from this weekend.
1: What that sounds great! And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Right here
0: on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN.
1: Yeah, I'd like to bet
0: a hundred bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. All right, five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson is out today, but uh, he did send in some game picks virtually that we're going to get to right now here. It's time for our game picks here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Before we get to that, we want to give a reminder about high school football tonight on our Airwaves, 7 o'clock, Shawnee Mission West and Lawrence High right here on KLWN. If you want Free State, taking on Olathe North. You can hear that on 92.9 The Bull, and also our sister station, uh, or on our sister station 92.9 The Bowl, and also on our KLWN.com live stream. All right, let's get into our bets, game picks of the week here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. First up, let's go and see what the uh, what how we've done so far this season. I've actually been really good so far this season. Thirty six and twenty six and three is my record so far this season. Derek on the other hand, twenty five and thirty eight and two. Ooh, ooh, Derek. E, yikes, yikes, Derek. Yikes. Uh. <laughs> All right, we'll start in the college football landscape. We're actually last week. Derek did better than me uh, in college football last week. I was two and two and one. Derek was. Oh no, actually, Derek did. Never mind, I lied. Fake news. Derek was actually worse than me. I was two and two and one. Derek was one and three and one. Uh, Derek, I'm. I was trying to hype you up, but uh, man, you're just not very good, are you? All right, the biggest matchup of the day probably features two top ten teams: Penn State and Ohio State. Lee Sterling gave us his take from Paramount Sports. Uh, earlier on in the show, Derek has gone with Penn State. Ohio State's giving up four and a half points against Penn State, and I, you know, the thing about this game is like this is basically Penn State's Super Bowl. You look at Penn State's schedule; it's a cakewalk. Besides two games, Ohio State and Michigan, they did play. Penn State did play Iowa and beat them pretty badly. When you look at Ohio State, they have looked. Especially early in the year, it looked a little shaky. I don't know how much people believe in Kyle McCord, but they've got great weapons, obviously, on the outside, and it's still a very talented team. The thing for me, though, is Ohio State has really dominated this series. I mean, they they win every time against Penn State. They always win. Uh, And so for that reason, I'm just going to ride the wave. I'm going to go with Ohio State here, minus four and a half. I think Penn State seems to always fall short in games like this, and I think they will again against the Buckeyes. All right, in the SEC, Tennessee, number 17, Tennessee, at number 11, Alabama. Crimson Tide are favored by nine and a half points in this game. Derek made his selection. He has gone with Alabama, and I am going to go with Derek here. I'm going to go with Alabama. I don't, I mean, Joe Milton might be the most overrated quarterback in the country. Uh, You know, and I'm not saying that he's bad. It's just that he, I just think he's just not nearly as good as people say he is. And I think it's been demonstrated by his play as well. Meanwhile, for Alabama, it seems like Jalen Milrose kind of figured things out for Alabama at at their quarterback position. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm telling you, man, this feels like Alabama. Nobody's talking about them. They're going to find a way to go back to the SEC title game. And they might even win. They might even win the damn thing. I don't know. Uh, I like Bama here. I think Bama might win big, big, actually, in this game against Tennessee. They're at home. I think uh, the Crimson Tide might roll big time over Tennessee uh, in this game. All right, moving on to the Big Ten, another Big Ten matchup. Minnesota at number 24, Iowa. Iowa giving up three and a half points at home against Minnesota. Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota's been not great this season, but Iowa has been, specifically on offense, terrible. I mean, those boys stink. Obviously, they got to back a quarterback now, too. So, lots of questions on the offense for Iowa, but there's always been lots of questions on the the offense for the Iowa. I mean, dude, I could quarterback Iowa and probably be... They probably wouldn't be much better, but it wouldn't matter because they always win games from the defense anyways. So, this game also... Uh, on the over/under on this game, I think I last I saw it was thirty and a half, which is one of the lowest in the in recent memory uh, for an over/under total in a game. And as it turns out, Iowa is normally involved when the totals are very low. There was also, I remember the Kentucky game in the bowl game. Iowa was playing Kentucky in the in a bowl. I don't remember what bowl it was last season, I believe. And the over/under total for that game was under thirty. I think it was like twenty-eight or something, something insane like that. Uh, yeah, so the over-under total, very, very low, obviously, in this game between Iowa and Minnesota. Derek has gone with Minnesota. I am going to go with the Hawkeyes. Give me Iowa at home. They're going to win. But the thing is, it's like, even if Iowa wins 7-3, they cover. And I don't think that that score is out of their own possibility. Even if they win 5-0, to zero, they cover. Even if they win 9-0 to three, they cover. Even if they win 10 to six, they cover. I think Iowa is, is the right side here. I'm going to I'm gonna go with Iowa. All right. To the SEC, or ACC, excuse me, ACC. To the ACC, Duke and Florida State. Number 16, Duke at number four, Florida State. This line fluctuating a bit. Uh, I saw it last at minus 14 and a half for Florida State. Derek has locked in Duke. I'm going to go with Duke as well here. Listen, Duke is a feisty team. They are a really, really good team. They played Notre Dame, obviously, very close, which uh, I don't know how that really looks now because Notre Dame, they've been they've had some up-and-down results, but I think Duke is a really, really good team. I don't think they're going to win this game, but I do think they're going to hold down Florida State and make it a close game uh, till the end. Uh, so I'm going to go with Duke here against Florida State. I Like I said, I think Florida State can win, but again... Florida State wins, you know, 28 to 17. That is a cover for Duke. So I think I think Duke is going to cover. I know I there's some questions about Riley Leonard. I still like Duke here. Give me the Blue Devils. I don't like Duke in any other context, by the way. But I like him in this context. Duke, Blue Devils. On to the Pac-12. Out of the Pac-12. Number 14, Utah, is taking on USC. USC is favored in this game by seven, by the way, against Utah. Derek has locked in his pick. He's going with Utah. I'm also going to go with Utah here. I mean, I don't know. I guess I guess the logic behind going with USC is that if they make it a score fest and with Utah, can they score basically enough to keep up? We'll see maybe, but I think Utah is going to try to kind of flip it into the opposite type of game. And the other thing question that I have is what will USC's response be to their loss against Notre Dame? Will they be are they going to look to to rebound or are, are they going to just kind of kind of fold a little bit? Uh, Utah's gotten USC in the past. I am going with Utah. I don't know that Utah has enough to win the game, but I feel like this is going to be uh, a closer game. So I'm, I'm going to go with uh, with Utah. Here. All right, on to our locks of the week in College football in locks of the week. I am three and three and one, so I'm actually not nearly as good in my uh, locks of the week as I am in uh, my regular betting. But uh, three and three and one in locks of the week. Derek five and two with his locks of the week. So maybe trust Derek's lock of the week, but trust nothing else that he picks. Um, Derek has locked in his lock of the week: Navy plus ten against Air Force. So, Derek is going back to this well. Last week, he uh, faded Air Force against Wyoming. Air Force was like 12 point favorites, 11 point favorites against Wyoming. And he picked Wyoming, and Wyoming did cover. So, Derek going back to that well and going with Navy against Air Force. And honestly, it makes sense. I mean, you got uh, triple option teams. You know, it's going to be hard to win a game by, by that much points. So, I don't really hate that pick, to be honest. My lock of the week. I am going to the SEC. I'm going to lock in Ole Miss minus six and a half at Auburn. I don't think Auburn is very good. Ole Miss at this point, uh, you know Lane Lane was so defeated when they lost to uh, when they lost to Bama, uh, and so now he's. I, I feel like he's bounced back though. They got the win over LSU. I think the Lane train is back. I think Ole Miss wins at Auburn. By more than six and a half points. Ole Miss is my lock of the week in college football. All right, we move on to the NFL. In the NFL, I have been on fire. 20 and 9 and 1 overall in the NFL. I am 5 and 0 last week. You heard that right. 5 and 0 last week for me in the NFL. Meanwhile, Derek has been so so in the NFL. He's 14 and 16 overall. And thirty or three, excuse me, three and two last week for Derek in the NFL. But again, I went five and zero, so keep that in mind. I'm coming off of a five and zero week. Can I build on that? Uh, first up in the NFL, Detroit the Lions at Baltimore. Baltimore is favored by three points in this game. Now, there's supposed to be a lot of weather impacting a lot of games that are going to be happening in the Northeast, uh, which could be affecting some of this. Um, I like Baltimore here. I think this is a game that Baltimore wins. You know, it's tough for Detroit, right? I mean, Detroit might be the third or fourth best team in the NFC, but in the AFC they would be, like, maybe what, like the seventh or eighth best team possibly. Uh, so I like Baltimore here. Uh, I think Baltimore gets it done. And I think if, it turn, if, if the weather does impact the game and it turns into more of a ground-and-pound type game, I think Detroit's dealing with some injuries in the running back room. What does Baltimore do? They love to run HB Dive and also run with Lamar Jackson. So give me Baltimore. Derek has also gone with Baltimore here. So he and I are on the same page here. He takes Baltimore. Next up, Green Bay. The Packers are at Denver. Green Bay is only favored by one. And uh, Derek has leaned leaned against Green Bay. He's going with Denver here. Uh, It's not surprising. Derek loves to believe in Denver, even though they suck. I try to tell him all the time, man. Denver stinks. They're bad. They really, really suck. Green Bay, I think, is going to get the job done here. I am going with Green Bay. I believe in Jordan Love. I believe in the Packers here over Russell Wilson. Now, I think, I think the argument for uh, Denver here would be that you know, hey, listen, Russell Wilson's been been kind of cooking uh, when you look at his stats over the course of the season so far. So, I don't know, maybe he cooks a little bit and gets Denver a W. But I think this is the nail in the coffin on Denver's season if the if Denver's season hasn't already been a total calamitous catastrophe. Uh, I like Green Bay. I like Green Bay. Uh, by the way, uh, Jordan Love, I think I brought this up last week. Jordan Love has actually been really, really good late in games, like in the fourth quarter. So, I don't think Denver is going to be if they do get the lead, I don't think the lead's going to be big enough to where it's not too much for Green Bay to overcome late in the game. And I like Jordan Love late in games. So, I am going with the Packers. Go Pack, go. All right, next up in the NFL. Miami at Philadelphia in probably the game of the week I would think in the NFL. Two five and one team. I had to get a sip of water there. Uh two two five and one teams. Miami and Philadelphia. Derek, I believe, originally had Miami down, but at some point he changed it. He flipped it to Philadelphia. So Derek's going with the Eagles here. I'm going to go with the Eagles as well. I just think they're the better team. I mean, Miami's obviously been flashy, uh, this, that, or the other, but... You know, this kind of goes back to my discussion with, with talking about the Chiefs from our. Uh, when I was previewing Chiefs Chargers, is that, you know, the Chiefs they just they they go out and win, and they don't necessarily need to show a lot to go out and win. Miami has been a little bit too flashy, I think. They've been uh, maybe a little bit too confident. I think they're going to crash at some point, uh, and a little bit more down to earth. And it, maybe it starts with this game against Philadelphia. I like the Eagles here minus two and a half. Give me Philadelphia. All right, next up, speaking of the Chiefs. They are hosting the L.A. Chargers. Kansas City getting five and a half points right now. This has been a close game historically. Derek has actually decided to go with the Chargers here. So Derek is picking the Chargers to cover the five and a half. I'm sad he's not here to defend himself. But you know me. You know me. Chiefs, baby. Chiefs all day. Kansas City, I'm taking the Chiefs here. I, I, dude, Justin Herbert's been bad. Uh, the whole line for the Chargers has been bad. Uh, I, I like the Chiefs here. I think their defense is gonna is gonna do pretty well against the, against the Chargers. Uh, they've obviously been playing really really well throughout the course of this season. And I, I don't know. I don't want to predict that the Chiefs' offense gets going because I don't think they will. But I think they'll do enough to win the game by more than five and a half. I mean, I could see this being a you know a twenty four seventeen type game for the Chiefs to win. Uh, or maybe even like a 24-14 type win for the Chiefs. So I am going with the Chiefs here. Kansas City all day, baby, over the Chargers. All right, last one in the NFL before we get to the lock of the week. Buffalo at New England. Buffalo is minus eight and a half on the road against New England. This is, to me, a trap game. I think you would look at Buffalo and say, Okay, they did struggle against the Giants last week, but they are—I mean, the the, the Patriots, dick. I mean, those boys are terrible. I mean, they are horrible. So you think, okay, surely you know Josh Allen could go out and beat the Patriots by eight and a half. Well, you might have thought that surely Josh Allen could go out and beat the Giants by more than what he did last week. So I'm tough. This is a tough call for me. I think I don't know. This also just feels like a vintage Bill Belichick game where. You know he keeps it close and maybe almost wins and maybe the maybe the Patriots might even win outright. I don't know. I, I'm I'm tempted to pick the Patriots to win outright. I'm going with New England uh, for the record, and I'm tempted to pick them outright potentially to win this game against Buffalo. Derek has also gone with New England, so we're both on New England uh, this week as well against Buffalo. So I kind of like that. I think this is just a game where it's just going to get ugly. It's going to get dirty. It's going to get messy. It's going to get nasty, and that favors New England. I think favors New England. All right, on to our Lock of the Week in the NFL. In the NFL for Locks of the Week, I am 3-3. Derek is also 3-3, so 50-50 shot here. It would seem as though uh, if our Locks of the Week are going to hit. Derek's Lock of the Week, he has gone with Minnesota plus 7. Going with the Vikings here. Uh, Obviously not a great start to the season for Minnesota. They are playing on Monday Night Football against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, there's maybe some questions about Christian McCaffrey and his health. Derek has gone with the Vikings plus seven on Monday Night Football. That's kind of a bold pick because, you know, primetime Kirk normally is. So uh, we'll see how that pans out for Derek. I actually don't really like that pick at all, but uh, Derek is going with it with his lock of the week. My lock of the week is Arizona plus eight at Seattle. Cardinals are feisty, man. They're a a bad, feisty team. They're not going to win. No, don't get get it twisted. They are not going to win against (laughs) against the Seahawks. But I think they will find a way to cover against Seattle on the road. This feels like a game where Seattle might come in a little overconfident. And then here come those feisty, feisty Cardinals. Arizona plus 8 at Seattle is my lock of the week. All right, that's our game picks for week 7 of the NFL and week, what, 8 or 9 of college football? I don't know. I mean... Week zero, how do you count that? I guess, uh, I don't know. Anyways, that's our game picks for this week here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Nick Springer. We're going to take a short time out. When we come back, we'll get some more interview audio from. Uh, Big 12 Media Day. Derek and I had a chance to catch up with Straya Slaughter, of the Kansas City Star at Media Day on Wednesday. We'll get to that. Also coming up later on in the hour, we'll get to the rest of that Bill Self audio from when he spoke with the media on Wednesday afternoon uh, at Big 12 Media Day as well. We'll take a time out. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.